Hey guys, welcome to the Casey Catch Up. I'm just driving back from a downwind run and I messaged Andrew and asked if he was around to, to quickly chat. And uh, yeah, he is. So we're going to do a bit of a debrief on the Wet Feet Voyager race on on, uh, on Oahu, the Hawaii Kai run. And also just we want to get everyone excited about uh, downwind racing coming up in Hawaii this July. So um Andrew, or I guess Long Arm Dave on Instagram. Um, thanks, thanks for um, thanks for joining the podcast. And um, it's actually funny because Andrew used to work at the local shop here in Sydney, and he was the grom that actually I think you took over my brother's job, didn't you? At yeah, yep, I did. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were the 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 shoot kicker. Basically, you were unboxing everything, and you had um. Willis was stoked that you were the junior and he wasn't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a great gig. That really launched me into a world of water sports that here I am today. I, I loved working there. Yeah. No, I didn't realize, um, so I know it was Andrew, not Long Arm Dave, but when you when I saw this guy, Long Arm Dave, come up on Instagram, killing all these races, I'm like, I had no idea who it was. And then I think I, I might have messaged you or commented on something. I'm like, oh, it's Andrew. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, I'm stoked that stoked that uh, we our paths have crossed again, and I'm looking forward to doing a few runs with you over in Hawaii in the next you know couple of weeks. Indeed, yeah. Do you want to give us a bit of a backstory on I guess how you got into like the downwind foil stuff? Sure. Um, so I guess I'll just start with a brief introduction about myself. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Andrew. I'm originally born and raised on Maui, but my um, my mom is Australian, and, and so that's how I ended up in Australia with James for a year. But I grew up um, windsurfing and kite surfing, and just spending all time in the ocean. And I've been an ocean addict all my life, um, and and canoe paddling too, particularly a lot in high school. Um, anyway, so I got into foiling about three and a half, four years ago on an original go foil setup and a, a, one of the old boxy Kalama Sups, just learning how to prone paddle into waves and get going. And then after that, I was absolutely hooked and have been ever since. I, I basically don't touch a surfboard anymore. I'm just totally frothed out on surf foiling and downwind foiling in particular at the moment with the, the racing season going on. So good, man. And like, I remember when you were at the shop, you were mainly into kiting, I think. And I was doing the sup racing and, and you were always like, come for a kite. I was like, oh, I'm, I got to train for the sup stuff. Uh. Like, yeah. And it, you know, it was, um, Times have changed. Now we're doing the same thing, which is so cool. Yeah, I totally understand the need to train now because that's all I want to do too. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an addict. It's an addiction. <laughs> Good one. Um, but yeah, Cer um, certainly. Yeah. What, yeah, what certainly. You, it's um, a world so, of endless so improvement. Yeah, tell me about. Um, I guess you're like you're learning. Like how you learned to downwind foil? What was the what was the learning curve like? I, I guess yeah, arrogant canoe stuff would have helped for sure. And the fact you've spent so much time in the ocean, um, I feel like if you kited or windsurfed, it definitely helps you read the ocean a little bit when it's windy. But um, yeah, tell us about your learning curve. Yeah, so I started downwinding, prone downwinding with Simeon was actually the first person who kind of got me into it. Um, I was surfing old man's one day or foil surfing, I should say old man's and Simeon. I didn't even know at the time paddles up to me. He's like, Hey, follow me. 
um, let's paddle a little bit up the reef and, and try and ride some wind swells down to where we were surf foiling. And so I'm like, all right, sounds fun. And so I follow him up the reef and we foil downwind for about not even like a quarter of a mile, maybe. And, um, I, that was kind of the first moment I realized like, wow, okay, we can, I'd seen the videos, but, um, that was the first moment I realized for myself that I could, um, really start traveling that, you know, more distance on the foil than just the surf break. Um, so that kind of, I was riding the original lift 200, the classic, the one piece foil then. And then shortly after the lift 170 got released and I bought it as soon as it hit the market. And um, it was straight to Kaikos from there, doing prone runs for the first couple of years of my downwind journey. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I learned all of my foil downwind skills. And um, like you said, all of my previous experience in the ocean kind of transferred pretty seamlessly into that transition. Um, so yeah, I, um, I had a great, you know, I, there wasn't too much struggle in the beginning. And so I just got instantly hooked on it and I just started getting into sup foiling last year after going through many a different boards. Um, I had been through like three different boards. They were all like six foot by 24 inches wide. And I didn't have the stand up paddling strength or experience to know how to get those up on foil. Um, and I also only had a lift 120 at the time. So I was also way under foiled for those boards. Um, but anyway, uh, Eric Sturman sold me his Barracuda last year, and then that's when my SUP journey really took off as I had the appropriate board to do the kind of downwinding I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, it's just been a journey of love ever since. <laughs> <laughs> what, what dimensions is that Barracuda you have now, the one you bought off Eric? Um, so yeah, I've since sold it off to another friend, um, but that was seven, one by 19 and 85 liters. Um, so it's quite small yep. for me. I'm, I'm 190 pounds. So, um, yeah, 80 or 85 kilos for you guys. So I was, I was, I was on a sinker, yeah, but just the length of the, the length of the board alone was enough to give me the glide I needed to get up. So yeah, taught me a lot riding a yeah. smaller board. Yeah. And, and what do you want, what do you want now? What have you, uh, what have you so upgraded to? Now I've upgraded. I've got a seven foot by 19 by a hundred liter, um, essential foam works Hawaii board that I helped design and, um, sky, uh, Mark on Oahu made for me. And I've also got an eight foot by 19 and a half, 105 liter, uh, Barracuda that I've been riding, um, predominantly on Maui because it goes great in the bumps over here. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so what do you, so do you prefer the longer, so eight foot and then, sorry, I just blacked out. I missed the dimensions of the other one. Oh, um, no worries. Yeah. Eight foot by 19 and a half and 105 liters. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I've been playing around with a few different lengths and there's definitely no question you get up easier with that longer skinnier board. Um, but it's just a question of how long you want to go to make it how much easier because um you can only paddle up so small a foil you know and there's a point where you paddle up a foil too small and it's actually it can be slower if the conditions aren't aren't right is is what i've found anyway um i saw your run you did with kane um i guess upwind of malika you guys were doing some seriously fast kilometers um 
and I think you're on the the one ten from yeah from memory. Yep. Yeah. And um, for those days when you're using those small fast foils, yeah, definitely easier. If you like, you just get up quicker on the longer boards, right? Yeah, you know, it really makes a difference riding something with a bit of length. Um, I I feel like I haven't found much of a limit yet to how small of a foil I can get up. Uh, the 110 is the smallest foil I've tried to get up on that board length, um, but I have a 70 coming soon. So I guess I'll push that boundary a little bit further and see if I can get that up and going when the bumps are yeah. seriously cooking. Because um, I found that some of the bumps over here I'm trying to get on on the 110 are, um, are just too fast for the foil. And I'm looking for something with maybe a little bit less surface area and resistance. So that way I can go that touch faster that I need to, to get on those really fast moving ground swells. Um, yeah. So, so you want to, yeah. So you want to go faster than the 110 can go. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The 110 is, is as fast as I need for most races. Like I think it's a pretty situational foil. Um, I, I haven't even tested it yet, so I can't say much. It's just a, a dream at this point, but I'm hoping it'll do what I want it to. Yeah, so cool. Ah, exciting. Um, okay, uh, I want to go into the race um, that the Hawaii Wet Feet Voyager race, but I want to go before that. I think we finished with that. I'd be really okay. interested to hear what you've been doing in training for the race, like the ch channel crossings coming up. So I assume you're doing Maui to Molokai, uh, Molokai to Oahu, and, and maybe Padalamua as well. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't registered for Padalamua, but I expect I will. And definitely doing M2M and M2O. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, training-wise. those races, that'd be fun. Yeah, guaranteed. Um, training-wise, I just, I go downwinding as much as I can. Um, it's windy on Maui just about every day. So usually I'm doing uh, one, two, three runs, as many as I can fit into it a day, really. Um, and then I have a combination of land training that I do, uh, five or six days a week as well. Nice. Um, is, is that like, um, gym sort of stuff or like cardio stuff or. Yeah, it's a lot of like cardio and plyometrics. I haven't been doing much weight training, but just sort of, um, a lot of foiling specific workouts, um, high intensity interval training, that kind of thing to really uh you know improve my my overall fitness and uh and muscle strength and tone and everything and endurance yeah yeah awesome that's it's so cool that there's people like you know taking it seriously like it's not just a hobby anymore you know it's becoming a sport which is for me so exciting because i've you know from the subs for me coming from the sub background and i guess you coming from the outrigger canoe background um i guess we know that we know how beneficial training is for, for race day, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, see yourself and, and other guys training hard for these races that are coming up because um, yeah, it's, it's becoming, there's more and more people doing it. And it's becoming a sport. Oh yeah. I mean, it's guys like you and Kyle Lenny. I know you guys don't sleep. You guys just train all the time. And so if I'm not training as hard as you all, I'm just getting left behind. So that's my motivation. Yeah, no, it's so cool that, um, that I guess you're, I guess, following what we've, what we've done, but yeah, I'm, I feel like we're just getting started, you know, with this, with the, with the foil stuff and it's been around a little while, you know, but, um, yeah, Molokai to Oahu 
this year is going to be huge, I reckon, in, in terms of the foiling. And um, I hope Maui to Molokai is too, because it's, it, deserves, it deserves to have a lot of people turn up. Um, what what um, I saw that run you did with Kane, you guys started a little bit further up from Maliko. So, so tell us about, um, about that run and um, why you start further up. Um, yeah, so basically we want somewhere just basically to get a longer run in, um, you know, Maliko is only 10 miles, which is only a third of the length of the majority of the race, you know, the longer races we're going to be doing this summer. And so, um, the main thing is just to have a longer run and that's kind of the farthest East we can go, um, and have easy access to the coast. Otherwise we have to go much farther East and um, you don't have the same wind and bump strength the further east you go because you're leaving the Venturi effect of the, uh, the mountains that Maui has. Um, so the, yeah, where we've been going from though, it, it's a pristine bay that you paddle out from and you, you paddle around this point and you're instantly in the bump, in big bumps. Um, so it's, it's great training for being you know in the middle of a channel because that's kind of where we're starting is in the middle, is out in really deep water in the ocean. Um, and the angle that you have to go out at is at a bit of a quarter. So it's also good practice to uh, quarter on bumps um, going at an angle as that's what mo the majority of the races will be um, angled at as well. You know, Molokai isn't straight downwind and, and Maui and Molokai is more downwind, but still a bit of an angle that you're going at to, uh, to get to the yeah. finish. Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds makes total sense. I used to, to go from um, I, I did I think I've done one, maybe two runs from from Kenai, so that's yeah. further east. I used to go from Kenai, and um, it was it was good training, but yeah, the bumps weren't good until probably about where you're starting from, just um, just east of Piahi. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've heard stories of people doing it on a foil and it sounds really tough, you know, you kind of, it's where the coast starts to bend harder north and your angle out is really steep. Um, it sounds pretty exhausting and there's a fair amount of driving to get up there. So we just try and do two yeah. of the longer runs um, in a day if we really want to get some miles in. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And then that's, it, I guess the beauty, um, I, I sort of had a like a, bit of a I guess a smile on my face when you said you know training hard and and like what's training and, and same as me like majority of it is just getting out on foil and getting exposing yourself to as many conditions as possible because I think the downwind sports are very much um it, it's it's a it, there's skills there's a lot of skills involved and and how you read the ocean is so important and if you only ever did you know land-based stuff um mm -hmm. you're missing out on a, on a big chunk of um a, a big chunk of the the skill set that's required um that you just can't get unless you unless you're doing it so um it, it's it's got to be like the most enjoyable way to train right <laughs> yeah yeah it certainly is it's just not quite physically demanding enough i find to like really prepare yourself for a longer race unfortunately so you got to supplement with something else but um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, you, you, you um, it's almost too easy. Um, especially the the, the foiling, the the sup downwind stuff was uh, definitely harder. 
because you had to paddle for every bump. But on the foil, the uh, the level of glide you get is is uh, something it was unmatched to anything else. You know, downwind ocean sports. It's uh, can be too easy when when it all when it, when it clicks. Oh, certainly, yeah. And and going back to what you said about different conditions, you know, like even exposing yourself to different runs um, improves your skill set tremendously. You know, I I spent most of my time uh, in my original, like my early downwinding days, on Oahu because um, I go to school over there. I don't spend much time on Maui anymore. And um, since coming back to Maui, I found my bump reading ability in larger open ocean bumps was lacking, and I've you know, learned tremendously by, by just being exposed to those two very different runs. Absolutely. It's, um, I just did a, a botany run. So it's, uh, the other side of the bridge and I, I'd actually never done a botany bay run. I've done, I usually stick to the Northern beaches, um, mm-hmm. and just try to wait for the southerlies or northerlies, but we've had no, we've had like no wind for the last three weeks. So I think I've done yeah. one downwind run and I'm out there like every time it's windy, I, I try to get out there. Um, so we had a yeah. good westerly today, which you either go to Palm Beach and there's a westerly run where you have to wing up wind and then, uh, then you def- I did, that's why the deflate downwind thing sort of came up. I came up with that yep. because you couldn't drive up because it was a national park um, uh-huh. or, or you drive to Botany. And I just did, just did two runs in Botany and I, I guess I got about 12 Ks for the first one and just over 10 for the second. And yeah, it was super clean. Like, I guess like the wow. PA run, just like groomers. You know, it's just um, side to side, but it's definitely not the best training for, you know, cr- channel crossings because it's, it's, uh, you know, using big foils going like three minutes to three minute, 30 kilometers. So oh, wow, yeah. it's better than nothing, but uh, I can't wait to, to get over to Maui and um, get the consistent, consistent conditions that uh, I guess are more, more, more similar to what the racing will be like, I, I imagine. Certainly. Yeah. But Hey, any training is good training. So get it while you can. That's it. Just, just you definitely got to, I, I feel like, and especially the first run just then it was because I haven't downwinded for a while. You almost got to, it's, you got to hone in and, and compared to surf foiling, I've been doing lots of surf foiling, just like pumping around in circles and reading the, the waves and um, because it hasn't made any wind, but it's, yeah. it's so different to, to downwind and like preempting, when that bump's going to come under you and or cutting across or going up and over or whatever it is, the lines you're taking, it's uh, there's nothing like downwind foiling for, for tuning in that skill set. Certainly. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Let's, okay. Who's your pick? Like you're over there and, and I've had um, yourself and Kane uh, are their favorites for M2O, um, which is based on form. You know, you guys are doing some runs and you're, you you know getting right up there in the in the races from, from you being over there who's who's your pick for M to M and and then M to O. I don't want to say anything, man. Everybody's a threat at this point after what I've seen this weekend. Like all cards are on the table, man. Like <laughs> anything yeah, can happen yeah. in one of those races. You could have a bad start. You could have a fall. You could have a malfunction. Like, um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything and jinx anybody's race or. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I think everybody think, has a pretty would, good idea. Would you? Would you? Could you throw? Like, do you reckon there'd be like a a top ten that you you could imagine? Like if you had to, or a top five 
I'm just curious because you're over there and you're seeing the guys that are going quick. Um, um, well, yeah, I guess from Hawaii, you know, like basically you take the top five from the race this weekend. Um, you know, Simeon, Kane, uh, Malai McEnally, he showed up with a big performance on Saturday too. Nick Capule as well. He mm -hmm. had an accident at the very end of the race, but he was right up there with me at the finish as well. Um, giving me a run for my money. So um, there's definitely a, quite a handful of guys in Hawaii that are really stepping up and making the sport very competitive. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see how everybody else goes, you know, um, and obviously guys like Kyle Lenny and the Spencer brothers and Slater Trout and all these guys who we haven't even seen race yet this year. And I never get to do runs with them because um, they're secret senders. So <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I love that it's secret really, senders. That, yeah. yeah, I'm not. There was. Um, <laughs> I'm not, oh, sorry, uh, you go. Go ahead. No, I didn't have anything to say. I, I like that that secret senders because there definitely seems to be a bit of a change in the culture on Maui from from what I can see from you know socials. Um, you know the mm -hmm. Spencer brothers and Kai were notoriously very secretive with their foils back in like 2018, 2019, when the uh -huh. you know the racing was on. And um, yeah. I'm loving to see that that yourself and 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 Kane are you know sharing your stats and telling everyone what gear you're using and, and you know doing the races and um, I guess opening it up a little bit and and showing people what's possible and um, it'll be interesting you know to see what you know the the secret senders you know the Spencer brothers and, and Kai and Slater and all those guys are. Um, interesting to see what they get up to and like you know because you only ever see what they're doing race day. Um, so yep. interesting to see what they, what they've got, what they've, you know, been keeping secret or if they haven't, and they just, um, if they're just working on stuff or whatever it is, but it, yeah, it's, it's exciting to share stuff and I think it grows the sport. So, yeah. um, it, it, I think mean, feel like it's gotten to the point where there's more people, um, and people are happy to share because they just want more people to join. Yeah, I mean, that's my philosophy is, is knowledge is power. Um, you know, I think we can only gain by sharing knowledge with our competitors. Um, maybe not all of our knowledge, but at least a good amount of <laughs> things that we know. Because, I mean, I don't, it's a new sport and I want people to get into it and have fun and not feel like they're, they're missing out. You know, I want people to feel like they can be as competitive as possible. And if I'm going to beat someone, I want to know that I beat them on my sheer skill alone, not just because I had some secret that I kept to myself the entire time. Um, and also just the fact that training with other people makes you better. You know, like you can only push so hard by yourself, but when you've got somebody next to you who's pushing hard, it really brings the best out of you. Um, so training with other people and is, is really essential, I think, in your training process. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, not, nothing to take away from, you know, you know, Kai and the, the Spencer boys, but um, there's, uh, yeah. it's just, it's just a different way to look at it, I guess. And uh, they've got the, the, the difference is, I think a lot of the time it's like time. So like, I know Kai's got twins now and uh, I know Jeffrey and Finn, um, they're doing a lot of winging stuff too. Um, but also they've got their logistics sorted. Like they, they've, they can organize their own lifts where, the, the beauty of I guess Darwin finally from what I can from what I, just just now we had like three or four guys meet up at the bottom of the run we all loaded up in the car we all drove up to the top we sorted logistics ourselves because we didn't have 
you know, wives or girlfriends or anything, friends dropping us mm-hmm. off at the start and that community. And we all swapped foils and we all, I got, um, you know, Josh, Josh and I swapped foils and Benny and uh, Mick would, you know, talk about change and stuff too. And it's just, um, yeah, like you said, knowledge is power and share it all. And the, the conversations on the drive up to the start and the conversations yeah. driving back to the car, it's, um, it's, that's, that's almost part of the fun, you know, and, and, uh, but you need time. You do need time to do it. I've taken like five hours out of the middle of that run with those boys with, you know, two, two runs, but, um, it's, uh, you can't do that all the time. So the, the secret senders, maybe just people, they're the, they're the time poor senders. They're just going out and making it work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, certainly. And I don't want to knock their training programs either. You know, these guys are obviously very well-proven athletes and they, they know what they're doing, um, but they've just got the resources to go out there and do it all the time and train in the conditions that they're going to race in. Um, whereas uh, some of us lower level guys just uh, kind of got to wing it a little bit and figure out for ourselves. Um, and the yeah. best way for us to get better is to share amongst each other. Um, yeah. When we have a lack of knowledge on, on things we haven't done before. For sure. Yeah, no, it, it, no, no wrong or right way. And, um, we'll all be frothing on race day. That's for sure. We'll be, you know, that, that, that's that's why I've always loved the racing is you get all these people together, and you know, people that don't always have the time to to, to get out for that that windy day. Um, yeah, they rock up for race day because they've set the time set the time aside. So it's yeah, I'm I'm pumped for, for all the racing in in uh, Hawaii this year but yeah you, you've just done a race over on Oahu the uh, Hawaii Kai wet feed Voyager race um mm-hmm. do you want to give us a bit of a rundown you sort of alluded to a little bit then and and thanks for giving us your, your sort of your, your guys to watch because I think a lot of people are interested about that um but yeah what are you thinking um maybe a, a play-by-play because I heard it was pretty wild conditions yeah sure so the last few days we've had um, you know, 20 to 40 mile an hour winds, uh, for the last four or five days in Hawaii. So by the time Saturday came, uh, the ocean was angry. There was a lot of energy out there. Um, a lot of ground swell built up. And then we also had a fresh, uh, South, sorry, there's a lot of East ground swell built up. And then we had a fresh South ground swell that had come in from the Southern ocean. So it made for some pretty interesting conditions on the extreme end of the spectrum. <laughs> Um, we had 25 to 35 mile an hour winds, um, and, uh, well overhead ground swell, you know, head, head high and even double overhead in some places. Um, so we were in for quite a day of racing. Um, yeah. And we had a huge show out as well. There were like 70 something people in the race, um, wingers and, and downwind sub boilers. So it was, it was awesome. We had people who, there were a few people who had literally popped up on their first uh, sup run the day before come out and were so frothed up to do the race. They came and did it. So props to those guys, to those guys for, for being willing to send it, especially in unruling conditions. Mm. Um, But yeah, race day. So um, everybody, you know, all, all the wingers and stand up foilers were lined up together. Um, it was a pretty chaotic start. Everybody was kind of spread out. Like I, w- I tried to be by myself, but um, I didn't, I was more in like the middle of the line um, and Kane was out on the end and uh, Simeon was close to me, but then all, all the other suppers were kind of away from me too. Um, but the gun went off 
And I spent maybe a minute or two trying to get up on foil after falling off my board once and then getting up and um, I get up and, and I'm looking for the, where the lead boat is. Cause I knew I obviously wasn't in the lead and I look and I'm like, I finally find the lead boat and I'm trying to see who it is. And I see Kane way outside in the head. Um, and so, yeah, that was, uh, gave me something to chase. And so, um, the race is going, I'm just getting into my, my rhythm, um, trying to sort of track Kane as he's, he's in the lead and, um, he's the person who I'm trying to hunt down. So I'm, I'm tracking him. Um, I stay inside of him cause I wanted to have a shorter line, um, given that he was ahead. So I thought maybe I'd catch him, uh, if I had a shorter route and then, he ended up cutting further inside than I wanted to go. So I had to take an outside line. I didn't want to be on the same line as him because I knew it would be unlikely I would catch him if I was. Um, and anyway, that kind of paid off. I think my outside line was a little bit faster through the bay. And then um, uh, maybe about halfway through the race, I, I don't see Kane out of the corner of my eye anymore. So he must have fallen he, or he did fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I think he said he hit a fish or something. And so I'm, I don't see anybody else around me, you know, like it's the fate of the ocean that day. We're really at its mercy and I don't see anybody else around me. Um, I figured Kane had fallen, so he must be kind of far behind and I'm just focused on not falling. The conditions were crazy. There's big backwash coming off the cliffs and big groundswell coming in. I was just focused on having a clean race and, um, so yeah, I don't fall in and can hold my lead. And anyway, I'm coming through the, to the finishing part of the race, the last third of the run and the watercolor completely changes the, there's no contrast on the water anymore. I can't tell a wind bump from a groundswell from a flat spot on the, on the ocean. It was a pretty surreal sort of change in, in conditions. Um, and then I'm, yeah, I'm coming around towards the finish and, and a fellow team rider, um, Nick Capule, I hear him holler behind me and scares the crap out of me. I almost fell off my foil just from him yeah. screaming behind me. <laughs> and we're, um, anyway, Tactics. he gets a groundswell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets a groundswell and he's coming in on my inside. And so I'm like, okay, I, it's back on. I really got to push now. So he, he pushed me and we were on the same bump at times, like a couple of feet from each other. We could have reached out and touched each other with our arms. We were so close to each other. Um, and then he, unfortunately, I believe hit his uh, paddle on his foil and fell. And then I was um, by myself again to the finish. Um, and, and finally coming into the line, I, I, I overshot the finish line a little bit. Um, due to the big surf that was coming in, I couldn't quite see exactly where I was going. And I was coming in on the tail end of a big set. And um, I made a wrong selection and wave choice coming in. Uh, Cause I was, I was worried the wave I was on was going to close out the entire channel, which it did. So I had to kind of pull out and, and hang out behind it and wait and ride a bump behind it, hoping that it would take me in. And eventually I hit the white water cavitate and lose lift on my foil and I'm stuck paddling. 25 yards from the finish line and here comes Kane right behind me just whizzing past into the into the finish line and um it was a pretty exciting end to the race um oh, yeah. yeah so nobody nobody had a perfect run really 
it was kind of a matter of chance and and skill and and making the right choices when it came down to it um so yeah awesome so and and what were you guys riding so you're on the the 110 from lift yeah i was riding the 110 uh, 28 inch original mass and a 25 glide and my seven foot by 19 board yeah and uh kane was on the 90 is that is that correct yeah kane was riding the 90 and his custom kt board and um and nick was he on a lift as well nick was also on a 110 and so was malaya who came in third they were all on 110s most of the top finishers were on a 110 and kane was the only one on a 90. Yeah, right. So the conditions were uh, Zane, my mate Zane Westwood, he's he's used the 110 a bit and um and sort of switches between the 110 if it's good condition, like sort of bigger conditions, but he, he finds the 120 a bit a bit easier when it's you know lighter, lighter winds. Um yep. he uh yeah, but he's excited to to get it out in bigger bumps. Um so oh, I'm sure it he sounds is. like conditions that conditions have to be pretty pretty decent to be, you know. Um, using the 110 out of magic because it's fast um yes and no it is it is incredibly fast um but i've i've actually used it on some surprisingly small days um it doesn't just need to be bombing for that wing to work here i think just because of the depth of the water and the speed at which a lot of the bumps are moving at we can kind of get away with riding it on smaller conditions than maybe you guys would be able to over there and the power yeah. that we have in in the swells over here so yeah i mean i've been riding it predominantly no matter what the conditions unless it's really really dribbly and small and i want to just go out and have fun on the 150 um but yeah the 110 will surprise me sometimes with its with its low end ability for sure so cool that, that's that's what i was hoping because uh there's nothing worse than i think a foil that only goes fast for downwind because it limits you to to the good days and yeah. Especially unless you're on Maui or Oahu, um, you can definitely um, in in real world downwind conditions, it's hard to 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 always use that one foil. So interesting. You sort of mentioned, but I was going to my next question is, what do you use when conditions are not so good? And it sounds like the 150 is your is your step step up, I guess, or your step down, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's my next up foil. I ride the 120 occasionally, um, but if it's if it's 120 conditions, I I can ride the 110 and go faster than I would on the 120. Um, so if if it's not quite 110, I'm just going to jump up to the 150 because the 150 is still really quick. Um, it's got a pretty tremendous speed range on the low end and the high end, and um, it's just easier to dig out of flat spots. You know, if you get into a bit of a rut, it's, it's just easier to get the 150 going again. So, um, you may not have it quite the top end of the 120, but overall, I think it averages about the same, um, and is a little bit easier. So I may as well just save the work on my legs. Yeah. Yeah. And then interesting, you're saying using the glide tower, because a lot of the lift crew over here are running the uh, and a bunch of you know a bunch of different tails a lot of canes tails mm -hmm. and uh yeah uh, you know all, there's lots of tail options nowadays but you're you're running the glide um yeah i'm i mean i haven't really had a lot of opportunity to ride anything else um i've kind of just stuck with the stock lift stuff my entire foiling career and 
Um, I've just, I've just grown to love the 25. It's, it's really fast and efficient and, um, I just, I just love it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to be said about, um, and, and you sound like you're sort of down this train of thought. There's a lot to be said about, um, sticking with one set of gear and getting to know it like really well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then you see other people who are just the, which I guess more towards Kane um who just love to play with gear and tweak it and get it to just how they they like it um yeah and certainly different different avenues to take i think both work but um certainly yeah it's uh I, I, the, the the familiarity that you can achieve with something you use all the time um can sometimes outweigh the physics so to speak, of the benefit, the, the benefits of physics that, you know, Kane's, mm-hmm. you know, working hard on with his tails and the shimming and the, all the tuning that, that he does as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. it, it's, it's for me, because I, I, I tune stuff a little bit, but once I find something that I like, I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to change because of that. That familiarity is... Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's powerful. If you know exactly how it's going to work every time, you can adjust. Certainly. According, adjust your, in tune your body. You can adjust your own uh, body mechanics rather than the, the, the foil mechanics, I guess, which, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're, and, and, your and confidence. And for me, good to hear that, good to hear that there's someone else that's kind of plug and play, you know, um, <laughs> and making it work, so to speak. Uh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to plug and play and, and learn what differences little changes can make, but it's just not how Lyft is set up um, with their gear. And I'm totally okay with it because I love the way it rides right out of the box. Um, and yeah, being familiar with your gear is, it, it gives a lot of confidence in your riding and confidence can um, speak a lot for itself in how you foil. Um, if you know exactly what it's going to do in, in certain conditions, you don't have to second guess yourself. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't touch on it earlier, but the, the transition from like the prone falling actually, and then thanks for that, that debrief on the race. That sounds super exciting. Um, super Certainly, cool yeah. that there's so many guys so close together, you know, that's, that's, that's what racing is all about. And, um, the, the thing I personally love about racing is that, um, you know, you do like a, just a downward run with a few mates and there's yeah. always the one guy. It's like, Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to race. I was just trying to surf. I was just surfing. You know, I was just not going for <laughs> speed. Um, you know, but, but yeah. in a race, it's like, everyone's there to go as fast as they can. And, yeah. um, there's no holding back. You're doing everything you can to be first across that finish line. Um, so that's, yeah. to me, that's, it, it's fun. And I still think there's definitely, I, I love, I just, those last two runs I just did at Botany, like that was all just surfing. Like I was actually going for the yeah. maximum distance rather than minimum time, you know? So, um, yeah. Super cool that uh, there's so many crew that are trying to go as fast as they can and they're all so close together. Um, but what I wanted to ask was, I didn't, I didn't touch on it earlier, but um, when you went from prone foiling the Kaikos run to then sub foiling, and obviously you spoke about the board and the, the, the progression from that, but how was your, how are your sub skills basically? Because um, when you were living in Sydney, there wasn't there wasn't too much sup going on, and then I, I saw you in Maui probably twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, and you were 
you were doing the outrigger canoe sort of racing stuff, which was, um, it's got to help, right? It's got to help paddling skills. It's, it's very similar, um, the single blade. Um, so how is that transition onto the subfoil? Yeah, I mean, apart from, uh, I mean, I, I've, I did a little bit of stand-up paddling when I was in Sydney. You know, I did a little, I'd come to Nar- uh, uh, the Narrabeen Lake and do a little bit of race boarding and stuff with you guys on the Sunday. And, um, but it, it certainly wasn't yeah. extensive at all and a little bit of sup surfing. So I had a, a tiny bit of sup background. You know, I knew how to paddle and stand up on a board. Um, and then canoe paddling, uh, really develops my strength in a lot of the muscles that is necessary for it. Um, and just a mm-hmm. bit more technique, you know, in, in, in knowing how to position your arms and get a good grip on the paddle and, and how far to take your stroke and those sorts of things. Um, so it was, it was more so just having the right board that to open up the possibilities, um, for the sup and, and, and the right foil. Um, and more so than developing a lot of the skill because the the background that I had just kind of set me up pretty well for the transition that I needed to make. Yeah. Did you have any like standout like shockers, like some really bad runs that that you want to share with crew? Because a lot of people listen to this are people that are trying to like, that are learning and they, I guess they, they probably, they hate the people that had no, no issues learning. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I should say that it definitely wasn't issueless for me. Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely had a couple of shockers where I paddled the whole run, but one of the biggest standouts was actually my second real sup downwind run. So I'd popped up. So this was about this time last year I had, I had just finally gotten my first pop-up at Kaiko's and was super stoked. So I called Simeon and was like, Hey, I just got my first pop-up. I'm ready to go to Hawaii Kai. He's like, cool. Okay. Come jump in the car with us at whatever time. And I go up to Hawaii Kai and I go and I paddle probably for like 30 minutes before I eventually pop up and I pop up and I make it the whole way and I'm good to go. And I'm super stoked. And Simeon calls me up after the run. He's like, yeah, man, you got a lot of good momentum going for you. You should come and do North shore with us tomorrow. And, um, the North shore run is a 20 miler that goes straight from turtle Bay to Mokulia. Um, and it's, it's a totally different setup than Hawaii Kai. So I get to, I I'm super frothed. So I'm not going to turn down the offer. So I, <laughs> I go up to the North shore with everybody and they're all shocked to see me because I knew I'd popped up the first day before and we paddle out and the bumps are totally different to what I was used to popping up in the day before. And I basically get out there and struggle for about 20, 20 minutes or so while everybody's gone off and is out of view completely, uh, not popping up. And so I basically didn't want to chicken out of the run because I was, I had driven all that way to do it and was so froth to complete it that I ended up paddling into a wave on my stomach on the board at, a, at this little slab that's, that was just downwind of where I was and popped up uh, on my stomach with a wave got to my feet, grabbed my paddle and then pumped out to the wind line and just sent the entire run without having popped up on a bump. I just paddled into a wave and went for it. Um, my, my thinking being Perfect. once I got out in, in the middle of the ocean, the bumps would set up to more how I was used to, and I'd be able to get up again. Um, but that wasn't yeah. the case by the time I got about midway through the run. Um, the bumps had completely changed and kind of flattened out and I was fully safety foiling, just trying to not fall. 
And by that point, I was about four miles out from land in the in the middle of nowhere, out by out by the shark buoys, actually, where the where the North Shore dive tours do their shark their shark tours. Um, but anyway, I I get a dry run. Fortunately, yeah. don't come down and and don't have to paddle miles back to land. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty uh, kind of white knuckle run, you know, where. I, I I had no choice but to make it, <laughs> basically, and I yeah. just had to uh, bear down and do it. Yeah, it was it was good fun. Yeah, yeah, that is that's uh, I know the feeling. I I, um, I I've said it before on the podcast, but I did a prone run with Jeffrey and Finn Spencer back in like probably like 2016, maybe, and um, we went from uh, like Noriegas and we finished mm-hmm. at Sugar Cove and on our prone boards. Pulled away and they disappeared. Uh, Leah, no worries. Thanks for showing me the, the takeoff. I, I got going and yep. I fell off like somewhere between probably just outside like Paia. And um, yeah, I it took me so long to chip into a wave on my like, and I was on like a five foot prone board. And uh-huh. and now they, they were starting to get worried. They were like, I think <laughs> like just on dark. Came in like just on dark, and they're like, "Oh, glad you made it." We oh my gosh. Have to, you know, drive up and look for you. But um, uh, yeah. And then, and then and then and then once you're up after you got that chip in, you are just like, "All right, don't fall, don't fall," because if I, you know, prone, you gotta, you know, you gotta find another wave. And it was getting getting dark. <laughs> so yeah, those those situations are um, high stress. Yeah. But very rewarding at the finish, that's for sure. But yeah, no, the Maui prone runs are very are high, oh, yeah. a very high stakes affair, man. There's like nowhere to chip in other than like Ho'okipa or Mama's and then Outer Baldwin. And those are your three places you have to get back on a wave. Otherwise, you're paddling um, a mile or so back yeah. to shore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys are crazy. <laughs> the Maui boys are crazy with those prone runs. It's it's a serious risk. but you know that that sort of makes it fun too i, I understand that um, certainly well thanks thanks so much for your time andrew um i uh it's been good to catch up i'm i i fly over on the night so we'll have to we'll have to get into uh straightness and runs i reckon i'll, I'll be stoked yeah. to, to uh do some Malika runs with you and, and you have to show me the start spot for that little spot you start a little bit further up the coast oh we'll definitely be doing plenty of those for sure Yeah, thanks for having me on, James.